Hi everyone, I'm your host Peyton, and thank you so much for joining me here today for my English class Woke Settler podcast. Today I'll be talking about indigenous children in the child welfare system, and you know, just how they're overrepresented, how the system affects them as they grow up and move out of the system, a little background info and history, and yeah, I mean... I chose this topic because this is an issue that still plagues Canada to this present day, and Canadians just aren't educated enough about the topic. So let's get right into it. To understand this issue, we're going to have to go back to the beginning. So residential schools were one of the government's main ways to assimilate indigenous children for a long time, and they could be found all across Canada. But as the years went on and on, they were just sucking up money, and they weren't assimilating to the full way the government wanted them to. Heck, even the public's opinion started to worsen on them. So, in, you know, instead of just giving the children back and providing indigenous uh, communities with proper resources and funding, in 1951, the Canadian government introduced a new part to the Indian Act called Section 88. And basically, this new section was a new way to assimilate. It made it possible for child welfare laws to be enforced on reserve. And, you know, that wasn't possible ever before. And that meant that child welfare authorities or agents could now go on the reserve and take any of the indigenous children so they could be put in the foster care system and be adopted by white families so they would uh, assimilate into that white society, white culture. And when they went on the actual reserves, they took the children for very unreasonable and unillogical reasons. And then they didn't even get any consent from the band chief or the parents or any family. So as you can imagine, this had devastating impacts on generations of indigenous families. And it still does to this day. And these systems could be found all across Canada, from British Columbia to Nova Scotia, Ontario, all the way up to Nunavut. But since these child welfare systems are provincially run, I decided today to specifically look at British Columbia's system and how it's been handled over the years and a bit of the pushback. So in BC, Indigenous children made up less than 1% of children in care, but after this amendment was put in place in 51, there was large-scale removal of children through the 60s and 70s, and unfortunately, they now made up more than 34% of children in care only by the early 60s. And There were outrage, obviously, from these indigenous families, but it wasn't until the 80s where the communities and the organizations really started to get 
their voices heard and get action taken. Like in 1981, the Splatson people created the Spalumchine Child Welfare Program so they could have a band by law model and be exempt from the provincial law and standards so they could have control over their own kids. And then that just continued and from 1991 to 1999. There were 15 more First Nations child welfare agencies that were established in BC. And then that number only increased as we went through the 2000s. Unfortunately, though, there was a lack of funding because the government wouldn't want to fund something that was against their own system. So they made a First Nations child welfare program and they got their some of their funding, but this wasn't necessarily a good thing because now they had to follow provincial standards and it just kind of roped them back into performing provincial practices when it came to the system in their children. But as the years went on, in uh, 2008, there was at least a recognition and reconciliation protocol, which was signed by First Nations Leadership Council and the BC government. And this just symbolized a formal commitment, basically, to collaborate when distributing the First Nations child welfare systems to each community so that the First Nations people could have a say in what happened to their children and how the system affected them. Then, as of 2011, there is 22 Aboriginal child welfare system agencies with eight starting up, and that number has only increased a bit as the years went on. And trust me, I know, it sounds like over the years, things continue to get better and better and better. And that is true. Yet, with all this resilience and pushback from indigenous communities, the children still continue to be overrepresented and still continue to be majority of the system. In fact, in 2015, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission confirmed that it has reached crisis level. And then in 2019, there were 1,959 more indigenous children in care in BC than non-indigenous kids. So why is overrepresentation a problem in the past and now in our present day? Well, I wish, but unfortunately there is no easy answer as this is a deep-rooted systematic issue. I mean, the reason this was all started was so the government could continue to assimilate, and that was probably the driving force behind this system for a while. But now, the Ontario Human Rights Commission finds the main reason Indigenous children go into the system is neglect. And I know what you're thinking, the word neglect often is associated with parents not taking care of their children and their children not getting care from anyone around them. But that isn't 
exactly it it's not it's not the case here you can't just immediately blame the parents when it's really more n- about negative social and economic concerns which were a result of decades of racism oppression and discrimination i mean these things caused poverty unsafe housing substance abuse mental health concerns and isolation and then these agents will often mistake the poverty or even cultural differences as neglect. And then another issue I just wanted to touch on is these authorities are often non-indigenous. And not all of them, but they might have unconscious racial biases or, like I just mentioned, are simply uneducated about other cultures. Then the final, like, big issue I want to touch on is funding. Surprise, surprise. It's not a secret that the government has underfunded indigenous resources like education, health care, clean water <laughs> since forever. And then these things are still being fought for now. But in 2016... The Canadian Human Rights Tribunal found a funding inconsistency with the federal government. They were basically providing 38% less funding for the on-reserve child welfare systems than any of the other systems elsewhere. Luckily, though, pressure from the communities and just supporters made them finally delegate money to aboriginal agencies so they could invest in preventative measures and services. But the government still needs to invest more to make up for loss. So I'm going to play a little clip for you here from Global News, and you're basically just going to hear the reporter and Cindy Blackstock, who is First Nations Child and Family Caring Society of Canada member, And they are just going to touch on a bit um, how the government is responding to funding and compensation for the child welfare system today. In 2016, the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal found Ottawa discriminated against First Nations children by knowingly underfunding child and family services on reserve. This led to as many as 60,000 kids being taken away from their families and put in foster care. Then on top of that, we had those inequalities in services were resulting in denials of services that not only harm children, but in fact have in legal orders been linked to the deaths of some children. As you just heard, the government continues to not right the wrongs they have done. But I want to shift our focus a little away from the system and more onto the individuals in it. So we now know some history and why there's overrepresentation, but all these children have to grow up at some point. They have to grow out of the system and try to figure life out on their own. So how does it leave a lasting impact on them? Well, I actually have a quote here from a global news interview with Grand Chief Stuart Phillips. 
he is actually president of the Union of British Columbia Indian Chiefs. And I think he describes well how him and majority of indigenous children are negatively impacted by the system. Quote, you're isolated from your history, your language, your culture, your customs. As a consequence, I don't sing, I don't drum, I don't dance. That may sound like not much to you, but to me, it's like part of my heart and soul has been ripped out. It really bothers me when I'm in an environment where there's drumming and singing and celebrating because I feel so left out, so isolated, so not belonging, end quote. And he's just saying how the system causes the indigenous kids in it to have a loss of cultural identity and a loss of self-identity and makes them confused, which severely affects one's mental health. On top of that, children who grow up in care are more likely to experience mental illness, drug and alcohol addiction, and deal with issues related to trauma and abuse like PTSD. Unfortunately, that is not the worst part. And worst of all, sadly, is that the pain from this system becomes too much and results in life-ending consequences. The BC Coroner Services Child Death Review Panel concluded that young people leaving care were dying five times more than other youths, and a large portion of that statistic is unfortunately Indigenous youth. That last fact was really disturbing and unsettling, but I hope it gave you a better perspective on how important this issue is and how important it is that we address it and i hope you now have a better understanding of indigenous youth in the child welfare system and its devastating impact if you would like to do your part and help you can always donate to organizations that support indigenous youth or survivors call out your MP and other government officials to take action. You can uplift indigenous voices. You can even talk to other non-indigenous people about the subject and its impact and educate others like your, your friends, your family, your colleagues, anyone. Thank you for joining me here today and I would like to leave you with a quote from Inuk MP Mamilak Kakak. Quote, foster care is the new residential school system. The suicide epidemic is the new form of indigenous genocide. End quote.